The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Well, welcome to the show this morning. Uh, to this morning, we're going to be talking about your company secrets and protecting them. Every company has information they don't want to have made public, but what if you have complicated negotiations you don't want leaked? Are you concerned about confidentiality in your boardroom or your break room? Well, my guest today is Art Lesser. He's an expert on technical surveillance countermeasures. It's a big word. He's the guy with all of the high-tech, high-priced equipment you hire to identify if your office might be bugged. Welcome to the show, Art. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Francie. I, I, I appreciate the opportunity of declassifying some of the information relevant <laughs> to my industry. Yes, absolutely. Very, very good. And Art, you're the president of Merit Security. Are you also a private investigator? Yes, I am a licensed a private investigator, state of California. Okay. And how did you become associated with Merit Security? Well, Merit Security started out a long time ago, uh, basically from the cellular business. We were involved in the cellular business, and I'll tell you a short story about it. We were selling cellular equipment and cellular phones because it's wireless communication, and I've been involved in security and wireless communication for many, 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 many years. But cellular came out, and uh, it, was dis- it was described originally as cellular being very secure because of different cell sites and handoffs, etc., but it wasn't secure at all. We did sell a phone to a general in the Army, and I got a call from his. Uh, secretary, I guess, a sergeant, and said, how secure is this communication? And I found out, I looked into it further, because it was interesting to make sure we're talking about national secrets, etc. Uh, uh, so I did find out that it was not secure at all, originally cellular phones, as it is pretty much today, about as, as confidential as a CB radio. So uh, they said, how do we secure this for the general? And I researched that and found out that there were some ways of securing the communications. Ultimately, that got me involved in securing communications, and securing wireless communications, and protecting confidentiality and privacy. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it, it was an interesting research project uh, because we're talking about national uh, interest, national security, so I wanted to make sure that we did the right thing best we could at the time. At that point in time, there wasn't the encryption. Well, there was encryption, but it was hundreds of thousands of dollars. But at that time, we found voice inversion, which pretty much jarbled the conversation so it was somewhat unintelligible and was about the best we could do at that time to easily and effectively and cost-effectively uh, promote what the general wanted in terms of some sort of security. Okay, tell me what you mean by voice inversion. I don't understand that term. Well, you take uh, you, the, the, 
the system uh, took the voice as it was and just inverted the the dialogue or the conversation of the voice. And what you heard on the other end was something like it wasn't intelligible. It it just kind of changed the voice patterns and uh, in a simple way, basically at that time. But it was a good means of securing the communication because if someone tuned into that channel, they heard something like something like somebody speaking with all due respects Chinese. Mm-hmm. Mm, you do that well, actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've listened to it enough, yes. <laughs> and are you saying that our cell phones are completely secure today? Absolutely not. Anything, uh, must understand, wireless communication, if you look at the antenna, uh, if you look at the antenna that comes out of a CB radio or even your cell phone, you don't see a pop-up antenna, but there's an antenna in there. And people think sometimes that the signal is going from that antenna directly to the receiving point or, or that there's a connection directly there in one direction. But most, most communications wirelessly transmit 360 degrees. So it can be picked up virtually anywhere in a 360 degree pattern. And much communications, most of the communications today could be picked up in a quarter of a mile. So even the encrypted communications today with some of the encrypted phones, etc., it can be captured. Most of the encryption they're using is not really high, high-tech encryption. So through proper computer use, if somebody captured that, recorded that, played it through various unencrypted uh, uh, computer programs, they could probably listen to much of the communications that go on today. That's digital. If we're talking about analog, analog is the same as you and I talking now. You pick up the same as if you were listening again to a CB radio. Digital communications takes the analog voice, converts that into a digital signal, and what's transmitted over the air, you might say, is similar to what you might hear from a fax machine that's screeching kind of noise, that kind of digital transmission. But Mm -hmm. as one fax machine sends it to another fax machine, one fax machine sends it kind of in a digital format, the other fax machine only then obviously takes that digital format and reconstructs it into the actual document. I guess that's a good way of explaining what could happen with an encrypted uh, voice communication over a cellular phone or an encrypted wireless communication. There is, of course... In- encrypted wireless communication that the government uses. There's sectel phones that they were using in the government, which is very much more secure, uh, but that's not really available to the public, and if it is, it's at a very, very high price. I see. Okay. So, uh, Art, how long have you worked in the field of electronics and communications? Uh, over 25 years. Wow. Yeah, over, over a- 25 years. Yeah, that's a long time. W- did you have specialized education in this area? <sighs> I did. Um, many, many years ago in security, I, I was taping windows and doing alarm systems. That, that's probably 35, 40 years ago. But when this industry of wireless communications became so prevalent, specifically like with cellular and other forms of communications, where so many people were involved in wireless communication, that seemed very enterprising to me. And I, being in security and being security-minded, I looked into how to get involved in securing that communication. So my background kind of made it easy for me to get involved in that industry. And as I got involved in it, I had, of course, my basic academic education, but then I took special courses. I learned from people who did work at the White House, who did actually... TSEM uh, is an acronym for Technical Surveillance Countermeasures, which is a government uh, term for debugging countermeasure sweeps 
Um, so I've worked with people who did TSEM for the government, for various three-letter agencies in the government who are now retired, whatever, who I've trained with, uh, various departments, etc. And that's how I've learned my education. I still go back to school. Most recently, uh, uh, Francie, I just came back from Paris, there is a show called Millipole uh, in Paris once a year, and then once a year, every other year, it's in, in Qatar, or Qatar, however you want to pronounce it, and uh, it's specialized for military and police uh, uh, security. Terrific show. It's an international show. It brings people from all over the world. But it mm. gave me an opportunity to go out there and see all of the bugging devices on display. They really? cannot be displayed here in this country. I'm sorry? The, really? They can't be exp- Display no, here? technically there's a title, uh, the federal government, if you, you cannot possess a piece of equipment that could be used for clandestine purposes. So having a bug would be, uh, would be something that you, uh, that you, that you wouldn't want to have. So, um, having said that, uh, but in, in, where I was in Paris, where I was in Paris, they, um, that these devices were, were out there on display, so I saw all the latest and greatest and huh. newest uh, uh, bugging devices, able to play with them, test them, and see where the biggest threats are today. So it was a tremendous show, terrific for education. I attended, I'm going down to the ISC show in Las Vegas and attending another course specifically for this countermeasures technologies. So what does ISC stand for? I'm sorry? What does ISC stand for? International Security Conference, I believe, uh, and it takes place in Las Vegas during this time of year, March, April, and then in New York. The bigger show is in Las Vegas, and it's a, uh, it's a security conference, mostly for people in the installation of alarm systems and fire systems and stuff like that, but uh, there are people there who are involved in wireless communication security, so I'm attending that. I'll be there next week. Okay. Now, I know you're an active member of a number of professional trade associations. Why is that important? Well, because you network with people who have had threats, uh, who have overcome threats, who have questions about things. Uh, it, it gives me an opportunity to share information with peers, uh, and um, it's, a, it's a great opportunity, as I say, to network and get information. Not everybody knows everything, but it's a wonderful thing, particularly with me. I have my expertise in what I do, but sometimes I'll get involved in a, in a question about a camera or an alarm system or something, I have the right people that I can call and say, hey, what do you know about this or can you help me with that? Because everything, I think, most everything in this industry of security has become somewhat specialized. I know there are some private investigators who specialize in surveillance, who specialize in in, in, right. uh, in, in, in service, whatever it might be, and they do a wonderful job at it because they, they kind of specialize in, in, in that area. So I'm happy to share information with anyone. I'm, I welcome any calls, and I'm I'm completely happy that I, I'm able to pick up the phone. I have some wonderful people that support me in questions I have. That's great. All right, thank you. Um, maybe you could share your website. Uh, www.meritsecurity.com. That's one R, one T. So it's M-E-R-I-T, security.com. And I must say, Francie, people ask me why merit, uh, and I, I say simply, and it, it is legitimately the way it is, if you look in the dictionary under merit, that's the way I choose to operate my business uh, in that fashion. So that's why I picked the name merit, M-E-R-I-T, security. Okay, that's great. So now, uh, you have developed and implemented some policies, some security policies and procedures. Can you talk about that? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, yeah. Uh, I, I'd say one of the big areas, um, people say, like, how many bugs have you found uh, when you've done this work? And I've got to relate, uh, honestly, uh, declassifying this bugging 
systems and, and, and work, we don't find very many actual, actual bugs. And that could be for a number of reasons. Uh, sometimes I'll get a call from a security manager who says, Art, we need you to come in here next whatever and, and sweep our place because we think there's bugs. And I say, how do you know? Well, the boss called me up and, and he said that uh, he heard some static on the phone or he said he was going to buy a yellow Corvette. And somebody came to him the next day and say, why would you buy a yellow Corvette and how would they know that? So I'll get these calls and I'll say, okay, how did, how did that happen? I'll get some information, but bottom line, if there was a bug in that boss's office and someone heard the boss call the security manager say, hey, get somebody in here to sweep my office, <laughs> guaranteed right. that bug was pulled out that night. So that's one <laughs> thing. Number two, when you, we do find that when there is evidence of a bug or something being compromised, many, many companies do not want to advertise that fact because of the implications of the financial world. If they advertise, hey, we had a bug, we were compromised, stock might go down dramatically, and it has in some cases. So mm-hmm. the, the word is not publicized that there was, there was compromise. Uh, so a couple of those reasons, you don't hear a lot about this happening. But what I do see pretty much uh, from history for stories, pretty much 100% of the time, is we'll go in and usually we do our work after normal hours uh, because we don't want to get involved with the people who are working and inhibit them in any way. And most of the time we don't want them seeing what we're doing, uh, so usually we do our work after hours, which if you ask later, I'll get into why that's not such a great idea. But we'll always find things like documents left on desks that are left there that say for your eyes only or company confidential, proprietary, that somebody could take a picture of, a cleaning contractor or another employee walking by there at 7 or 8 o'clock at night, making a copy of that or picture of that. So some of the biggest uh, vulnerabilities that I've seen in protecting proprietary information is stuff that's left you know, on the desks or stuff that's left, mm. left in copy machines or fax machines in open areas that people can just take and, and read or glean proprietary information. Boy, is that ever a good point. Wow. That's, that's great, Art. Thank you for sharing that. We need to take a quick break. We will be right back with Art Lesser talking about your office being bugged. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Today, technical surveillance countermeasure expert Art Lesser is here to discuss protecting your company's secrets. So, um, so Art, you were just saying that uh, you wanted to address why it isn't a good time to go in at night and do the, uh, do the debugging. Why is that? Thank you, Francie. Uh, because when you go in at night, in today's technology, uh, there are devices out there that you can turn on remotely. The same as you can open up your garage door. Uh, you hit that little fob and, and the garage door opens. Well, the same technology exists where you hit a little fob in a parking lot in your car and you turn on the device that's in the boardroom. So uh, obviously that device is not going to be active at 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And much of our work is done between 7 o'clock at night and mm-hmm. 2 o'clock in the morning, so the device may not be active. We do have specialized equipment that is quite expensive that can tune, like a metal detector that you use when you go through the airport that picks up metal. We have specialized equipment manufactured by companies called REI that uh, that sends a signal out into the walls or into the desk or into anything that you want to scan to pick up electronics. Uh, it does it by sending out a frequency, and when it picks up a capacitor, a diode, or resistor, something electronic, it'll send back a signal the same as a metal detector would send back a signal if it picks up metal. So even if the device is turned off, we can still find it, but of course much harder to find. So saying that, much dev- many devices now are, are, that are this remote controlled, if it's turned off, it's much, much harder to find. So that's one of the reasons why it's not always best to, um, to, to do it at 7, 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night. Actually, the best time to do it, and sometimes we do our work well, we'll be in a separate room, not in the room. We'll be somewhere near the boardroom, and we'll be watching all the frequencies or, or seeing what the frequency spectrum looks like. And all of a sudden, if the, bo- if the board meeting starts, and all of a sudden we see a signal pop up, meaning that somebody turned on a radio frequency type device, RF device, will pick up that signal, and then we can alert the person in charge of the room that there is something transmitting probably in that room. So that's the best, best time to actually do a, a, uh, an analysis of the radio spectrums particularly um, to, to check for a clandestine device that may be operating during a specific, a spe- specific proprietary meeting. Um, and also, in terms of policy and procedures, uh, it's also a good idea to consider if somebody brings in, as many times happens, they roll in this cart with the cakes and the cookies and the teas and the coffees, etc. <laughs> Could there be something underneath that cart, like a tape recorder, which, by the way, is not emanating anything, so the best electronic devices for picking up RF radio frequency is worthless because a tape recorder doesn't send out a signal or emanate anything. You have to physically find it. Part of our sweep involves a very, very good search physically with very clear and good eyeballs, very inquisitive eyeballs, to see where could something be hidden, and we look for evidence of something that, that was placed or, or, or put into an environment that's different than where it belongs. But again, going back, somebody could bring in a device, either in their briefcase yeah. 
or under a, a cart and, and listen or compromise, whether it be a radio frequency bug or a tape recorder. Uh, so you've got to be very cautious of what's being brought in. Because it's brought in by a caterer <clears throat> who's probably making minimum wage or thereabouts. You can right. imagine what $500 would, would buy that person to do. It sounds just well, like the movies, Art. It is to a degree. You know, it's, this is not James Bond. Uh, <laughs> it's not James Bond, but if you consider today whether the privacy issue for individuals, matrimonial, as well as corporate, going across the board, there is a lot of sensitive information that could either be sensitive of a sensitive nature or proprietary that you want to maintain confidentiality with. Mm-hmm. So uh, in those areas with the technologies today, it's an important area of considering uh, for security. Absolutely. And I would think particularly in areas like union negotiations, perhaps, or uh, mergers and acquisitions, things like that, where where the stakes are very high. Absolutely, as well as contract negotiations, uh, requests for quotations. I mean, if one company, a competitor, knew what another company was going to charge for a particular device or service, and they underbid by a certain amount of money, um, it's, it's not a good thing. And uh, it, it would be a terrible thing for business, and some businesses have lost. It's been documented. Some businesses have gone out of business as a result of them losing a few major bids by a small amount of money possibly because somebody found out what their price was, underbid them by maybe 5%, and they lost the business. So uh, that's very important. And also maybe personal information uh, of, of, within a company, how somebody might feel about an employee. If that gets out, it, it, could, it could involve significant litigation. Mm, for sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what kind of policies and in, in company procedures should be put in place to protect people from all of this? One of the most important policies, excuse me, <clears throat> one of the most important policies is, 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 an, is an, another acronym called CDP, which stands for Clean Desk Policy. Um, <laughs> I'd say it's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it seems that uh, if, if a company has a policy of before you leave your office at night, Put it in your desk. Don't leave thumb drives out, small uh, 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 storage devices. Today I walk into offices and I see peripheral hard drives. It could be the entire hard drive of, of, of the guys, of the company hard, hardware, hard, hard drive, and yet it's on a peripheral hard drive. Somebody could pick that up, replace it, and uh, with the same type of device, and you'd never know. The, the person who's using it would never know. Or they could download everything off of that device. So that device should not be left in the open. Storage devices, thumb drives, should not be left in the open. And you should not, they should not leave proprietary sensitive documents like we find much of the time on their desk in open view. So you should clean their desk and put, that's one policy that's very important, and, and put the stuff away. That's, that's number one. Number two. You know, that's so companies- in- Art, that's so interesting because I, I mean, I think most of us, when we are our workplace, that's become our home, and we get so right. comfortable with what we're doing there that we, we're not aware of what's going on, and that might be protected information. Particularly here, I see in Silicon Valley, where our home base is, uh, everybody, it's, it's like a college in, uh, mentality where everybody thinks everybody is a friend and, and yeah. everybody is helping everybody. And indeed, thank God, that's most of the time. But you do have people that come in from other parts of the world that work at that company, and they have been uh, 
compromised for whatever reason, money or family, whatever, and they have been compromised, and they're there specifically to glean information uh, to either transport to a competitor or to a foreign government uh, to, to, to benefit that government. The, big, the, the Cold War, so to speak, although stuff with Russia now is starting up again, but the Cold War basically is over. The biggest threat we have to this country today is financial or intellectual properties uh, and, and the, the, the strength that we have through our technologies. If that's lost, um, we, we, will, we will deteriorate to a certain degree and maybe to a great degree. So it's very important that we maintain our superiority in the technologies that we have, etc. And it's very easy if, some, if a company invests millions of dollars in this technology, if somebody just reads that or sees that and says, oh, wow, and takes the benefit, it's like eating someone's lunch after they've worked so hard to prepare that mm-hmm. wonderful sandwich and somebody grabs it and takes a bite out of it. I don't like that. I'm really against that. So in terms of policy, I always request that they clean their desks, that they mark documents accordingly. If there's a document that is sensitive, proprietary, confidential, mark that document, mark how it's transmitted, how it's disseminated. Too much of the time something is marked confidential and it loses the effectiveness of it being confidential. That's another area of... of, um, of, of policy or procedure to take to consider what do you consider in your company organization or in your life what do you consider uh, confidential or private certainly your social security numbers your 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 bank account numbers that stuff you should be concerned about maintaining confidentiality and privacy okay that's that's really good um, what else what other things should a company consider Regarding well, their, I, their security. From my standpoint, they should consider doing a sweep, an audit, as we call it, or a sweep and audit. A sweep is one thing to sweep the electronic radio frequency uh, to see what is transmitting in that area, like an RF bug, uh, radio frequency bug. But uh, we also do an audit, and the audit involves checking for this CDP, Clean Desk Policy, to physically examine the environment to see where there, where there, where there could be a vulnerability. I'll mm-hmm. tell you an interesting story uh, at a company we did a while back. Um, they had a series on, a, on a one wing of a building of their conference rooms, and they had the, the auditorium, and they had uh, various conference rooms and a boardroom, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And when we went into that area, that wing of the building, there was about five or six different conference rooms. We, we check every conference room individually, but we, to get a benchmark, you might say, we go into the, we into the middle and, and, and we set up our equipment, our radio frequency uh, uh, receiving equipment, and picked up something that was transmitting with a lot of power. And we said, oh boy, there is something transmitting here. There's a bug here. So as we got closer and closer, it wasn't in this conference room, we have equipment that can kind of zero into where this device is coming from, where this emanation of radio frequency is coming from. And as we went from conference room to conference room, we went into one conference room where it was that that area was where that bugging device, that radio signal was the strongest. And then we came to the podium in that conference room, which had the microphone on the podium. And it was a wireless device. And we found out that this device was turned on 24-7. It was turned on. I suspect it was turned on because at one point, maybe the engineer for the company got chewed out because they started the conference and the device wasn't working. And they, they hollered at him because the device wasn't working. He had to run down and do it. So he said, to heck with this. I'm going to leave it on 24-7. So you could imagine now, if anybody walked into that office, anything they said in that conference room, rather, anything they said in that conference room would have been transmitted with the power of that device a quarter, maybe a half a mile away. 
Oh, wow. So, so, so somebody, it, but, if, but, but you're saying in this case it wasn't an intentional thing. It was just a guy trying to cover, cover himself on his job. That's right. That's right. It was left on huh. incorrectly, uh, but this was done as a result of an audit. Yes, we found it electronically, but we audited to see where they have vulnerabilities. We audited to see how a company could lose sensitive or confidential information. That's the a great company. concern. Uh, so that's part of the audit part of what we do in terms of the uh, uh, the, su- the the entire area of the sweep. Okay, Art. We need to take another break. Art and I will be right back. Stay tuned. Sure. The internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's Choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to PI's Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. All right, you were just talking about finding uh, a bug in a conference room at a, at a business. Now, a lot of times people go to a hotel or a conference room at a hotel or they have a meeting there that they also have meetings. How do you handle those situations? Uh, Francie, that's, that's an excellent point. I could tell you're on top of your game also with this. Um, yeah, this is a, I'd say that's a bigger vulnerability when a company goes off-site and has a conference at a hotel or a convention center or wherever it may be, partly because at their own company they have various levels of security to get in. You need a badge, and, and, and people know people, so people walk around with badges. So it's a much more secure environment. When you go into a hotel and, or a conference center, number one, you don't have control of the phone system. You don't have control of the audio-video system. So there are multitudes of wires running out throughout this, through that conference room that you're going to have in, in that conference center or hotel or anywhere else that you do not control. So, and anything could be placed. Take 
into consideration, a very good point, that today's wiring for telephone connectivity, if you will, is what is a CAT cable, CAT3, CAT5, CAT7, whatever it might be, CAT6, and that cable has eight wires, which is known as four pair. Uh, most phone systems work on only one pair or two wires. The phone company puts it in because the cost of the labor is much more expensive than the wire itself. Originally, they had two wires and they went to four wires because that's what they did. But today, everything is run with a CAT cable with eight wires or four pair. So if the phone works on two pair, you have three extra pair or six extra wires that you can connect a, a microphone to and, and then through those wires that run through the building, uh, be picked up anywhere else in, in that building and then from there could be transmitted through the internet, whatever, anywhere in the world. So you don't control those in a conference room or a hotel that's off-site as you do to some degree in, in, a, in, a, in a meeting room. And I'll digress a minute. That's one of the biggest threats in a company is who controls the phone system. Because in today's phone systems, it could be programmed that the CEO's phone rings at the same time another phone in another building somewhere else would ring because it's programmed into the system that way. Um, and that's easily done by the system program. One of the biggest threats in companies is who's programming that phone. Much of the time, it's a contracting company. And again, for 50 bucks or 500 bucks, you can get a lot of things accomplished. Going back to hotels and conference rooms. So um, there specifically is a much, much bigger threat because of the wiring, etc. And then who comes in before, who comes in after the meeting. So generally, uh, or sometimes we do sweeps in that environment before a meeting would start. And we'll check the room to make sure that there's no clandestine, there's no bugging device active there now, or there isn't something connected. And then sometimes we'll stay during the meeting to see if something turns on. And we'll do a sweep in that room, we'll do an audit in that room to see where there are vulnerabilities. There are some significant hotels in the San Francisco area that we've done work in, and you'd be surprised. There are areas that actually somebody could hide in. There's little anti-rooms and, and, and where, the, where the walls slide back that somebody could actually get in there, close the little doors, and listen in. And if somebody didn't alert the security staff that before the meeting starts, open that door, open that wing, open that thing to see nobody standing there. There's sometimes balconies that people can go into in these conference rooms or these auditoriums where people could be up there listening in to exactly what that, that conference is all about. So meeting rooms and conference centers and hotel meeting rooms, conference centers, conference rooms, very, very, um, very, very prone to eavesdropping, a compromise of a proprietary uh, conversation or meeting. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, you know, I was at a meeting um, a couple of years ago where it was highly sensitive information and we uh, we were told to take the battery out of our cell phone. Yeah. <clears throat> Again, Francie, you're great. That's, that's true. And I'll tell you why. Uh, if a phone is compromised, and uh, I'll tell you a story about uh, a, a situation where an executive uh, was flagged down by a woman on a road and... and um, and I, I can't say the validity. This is something I heard, so it's not something that happened to me personally. But, but uh, this executive was flagged down on the road by a woman who said that had a flat tire. Could she call her husband? Her phone wasn't working. And the executive gave her uh, his phone to call her husband. Well, guess what? She downloaded inside of about a minute a, a really? virus, a bug into that phone. So now every time he turned on that phone or every message he got or everything he got was being transmitted someplace else. You can go online on the phone compromise of bugging phone devices. and There's all kinds of websites for this type of thing. So um, if you take the battery out of the phone, <clears throat> then you inhibit the ability of the phone being turned on 
That's another thing. You can take your phone, as I can take my phone, and I can have it turn on automatically. Instead of it ring, it just turns on. Or I could wave my hand over it, and it would just turn on. So the technology today is very, very dangerous to compromise confidentiality or security. Mm -hmm. So if you take the battery out of it, I've gone to classified government meetings, and we had to take our phone and put it into an envelope and leave it outside of the room, mm -hmm. uh, because no phones were allowed inside the room in this classified meetings. Uh, so for that reason, you're asked to take out your phone so the phone could not be turned on or it could not be manipulated in some way without your knowledge. Right. Yeah. yeah I think the there's other also, thing... By that... the way, there's also a thing called the Faraday bag, and this is basically a bag kind of tantamount to taking a Frito-Lays or a, a, a potato chip bag because it has that metal liner, and if you put that, the phone into that bag most of the time and you seal that bag up, the phone will not make or receive a phone call because the energy of the phone can't get past the metal. The best way to hide something in way of an RF is to take and wrap it in tin foil or put it in one of those Frito-type bags that has that metal inside lining. That is like a Faraday-type bag, and that will inhibit the ability for something to transmit or receive RF energy. So we should be carrying our phone around wrapped in tinfoil? Right, yeah, wrapped <laughs> in a Frito-Lay, and I'm not advertising Frito-Lay, but yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that's really interesting. What now, and of course, there's, a, now there's the issue with you could have your phone on silent and have somebody call you, nobody would know you're getting a call, and it would turn your phone on as well, right? Exactly, yes. That, that's, that's today's technology, that's absolutely so. Well, so, that, so tell us, what is this? And that could be a program. By the way, it's, it's, it's very difficult. People say, can my phone be compromised? Not really. If you have possession of that phone 100% of the time, <clears throat> most of these programs have to be downloaded just like you download any app. Uh, so somebody has to hit receive and, 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 and approve getting it downloaded. So if you never give your phone to anyone, uh, pretty much uh, you're safe that you don't have a virus. There's ways of protecting uh, against the virus or if you think you have a virus, there's ways of analyzing the phone to see if it is compromised to some degree. Uh, but if you give your phone to someone or if you leave your phone vacant where someone can get their hands on it literally for a minute, they can go onto a website, download the virus, and, and, and then you're infected and you've got a problem. Your phone could be turned on automatically by someone else. That's really interesting because, you know, we don't even hesitate to, if somebody asks to use your phone, to let them use it. You don't even hesitate yeah. to do that. Yeah, and like I say, a simple thing like someone being stuck on the road, say, can I call AAA or can I call my husband tell him to come or my wife, and, and or they have that phone, and if they know what they're doing with about six or seven keystrokes, you've got a virus. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Hmm. Well, tell us, what are, what are some of the new things that are out there? After you just came back from this big conference, you should have all kinds of information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that, that's true, uh, Francie. The, uh, called Millipole, somebody wants to look up on the website. It's very, very interesting. It takes place, I think, once a year in Paris, once a year in Qatar. Qatar and um, can you, very, can you very spell that? Can you, would you, I'm sorry. Would you spell that? Qatar is Q U. No, I'm sorry. The name of the conference. Oh, Millipole. M I L I P O L is Millipole. Very interesting content. More guns than you could imagine. Weapons that are unbelievable, and that's military and police stuff. But it was wonderful to have somebody likes guns and weapons. You see rocket launches out there. It was really unbelievable. My interest and where I spent most of my time is in the electronics area. And what I saw, one of the things I saw is if you look at your cable. 
that that goes from your from your uh, computer to a, to another device. There was actually a bug implanted in that cable. You you I, I, I they said to me the bug is in the cable. I looked at it. I looked at. It, I looked at. It. I couldn't I couldn't find it. It was actually built into the modular the the, the plug in the plastic thing. It was built into that. Almost impossible to detect. You'd have to know it was there. This was a, a cable that looked exactly like a cable. Of course, there's all kinds of devices like key loggers and things that are so small today that if they're, if they're placed into the back of a machine at someone's desk, they will log um, all of their, their, their keystrokes, certainly initially. So when you turn on your computer, what's the first thing you put in? You put in your username, you put in your right. password. That is logged onto a keystroke logger device that can be pulled out later and somebody else can go somewhere else and knows your, your username, your password, etc. Uh, there are also very, very miniature type of bugs about the, the size of your small finger, literally much smaller than your, the fingernail on, on your small finger. And, and these devices have the technology of, of being uh, storage devices where they burst out they burst out the information so they will store on a chip maybe 10, 15 minutes worth of conversation and go boop and burst out that information to the receiving end of it. You've got to be, really have high technology equipment to find something like that because it's an instantaneous bloop of information that just goes over the air about a 15-minute conversation, and then it'll store the information again. There are devices out there that have now spread spectrum technology. At one point, if we looked at a signal, you saw a big spike on a, on, on a scope. And you're able to look at that spike. It was very obvious. Today, you took that energy of that big spike and you spread it out over a much larger frequency. And as a result, again, much harder to find. You need kind of more specialized equipment to be able to zero in to find that, that, that transmission of that RF energy because it's spread out over a much larger spectrum range. So that the technology of that is, is, uh, is, is pretty good today. There's also something called frequency hopping. So uh, there are devices that'll, that'll, that'll change frequencies. That'll, your, your cell phone does that. It, it changes frequencies from one to another to another, so it's hopping all over the place. Very difficult to log in to that particular frequency when it's hopping around. Uh, so that technology is pretty prevalent uh, today. If you incorporate all of those into a device, which would cost a lot of money, you would be, uh, you'd have a very, very, diff- very, very difficult device to find. Um, so that's n- newer and later technologies that exist today. And the, one of the bigger threats today in technology is, is in the cellular band and what's called the Wi-Fi band. When we go into an environment and uh, you have these, these devices uh, for connectivity of, your, of the Internet, uh, um, the, these, uh, these devices that, that, that you're able to transmit, if you go into a, a, um, uh, a Starbucks or anything and you transmit from your, wirelessly from your computer to, to, to the access point, the access point, the, those frequencies, they're pretty bored and they're active all the time. If you were to snuggle a, a device into that frequency band, you'd have to look at a spectrum analyzer to see how difficult it is. It's, it's almost like um, finding a needle in a haystack, and that's where a lot of the technology of the bugs are going into that area of the spectrum, which is very hard to find. Because at a Starbucks, you could have 20 people on the phone, and all of those conversations are 
all, all spikes in that area. If there was one spike, which was the bug listening into that thing, very difficult to find. So that's where the latest technologies are in those frequencies, which, depending upon what your phone is operating on, it could be in a regular cellular band that started out, which is not to get too technical, 820 to 870 megahertz. Then you have GSMs and you have UHFs and you, and you have the, 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 the the, the cameras that the, the wireless cameras operate at 2.4 gigahertz with different frequency. These are very, very difficult to find a bug in those frequencies because there's so much activity. And that's the latest threats today. Wow. It sounds like you have to constantly update your own equipment to, to catch these other threats. Uh, are, we need to take another break. I'm sorry. I, you know, this is so fascinating. More to come on protecting your company's secrets. Don't go away. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. With me today is Art Lesser of Merit Security, who's an expert in confidential information containment. We've been talking about corporate security. Let's talk a little bit about uh, either a residence or a car that you might think is bugged. Yeah, thank you, Francie. Uh, that's true. That is an area of vulnerability. Um, dealing with either a, from a corporation standpoint, the CEO's car or the CEO's home. As a matter of fact, uh, from a corporate or CEO's level, uh, he's more dangerous at home than he is in his office. Again, because his office is pretty much controlled from a security standpoint. Mm. But at his home, he has contractors coming out, coming in all the time to either house cleaning people or gardening people or, or contractors to do electrical work, whatever. And in a home, in a general sense, again, you have the same technologies of the wiring. Most every home today has this 
cat cabling that runs through it for the telephone connectivity. And this, these wires have eight wires for pair. So any one of those pair, spare pair as we call it, could have a bugging device in, or, or a bugging device could be video or audio. So you could have something operating a video device in a bathroom that's watching you in the bathroom that could happen um, so in in a, in a, in homes apartments whatever you have this these wires that run through that are that are very that could be a host very easily a host to a compromised device so some of the work we do are for the executives in their homes and residences and sometimes as a recommendation for somebody in the field uh, we don't take calls generally we don't go out to people who call us up and say can you come to our house but if it is through a private investigator if it is somebody in the field a professional person we will do a residence based on that recommendation from that person uh, and we do we do some work uh, in residences and residences are very very vulnerable through those electrical wiring you can also place a bugging device on the actual electrical wiring of the home uh, there are devices clandestine devices that will listen to audio like a baby monitor uh, the same type of thing of a baby monitor old technology used to plug into the wall in the baby's room and listen to in the living room through the electrical wiring heck it's real easy to do the same thing with a bugging device and if you're in an apartment complex you can have the same common electrical wiring in one apartment and another apartment so your next door neighbor could possibly if they had if they gave you a gift of an electrical device that had this technology built into it that they did clandestinely and you plug this into your wall outlet, your next door neighbor could be listening just like if they had a baby monitor in your, in your room. So houses are homes and, and, um, and apartments are really, really very, very vulnerable, much more so. And any private investigator out there that might want to consider a gift that they may get from somebody that has that's electrical that you plug into the wall, it could be compromised. You want to maybe look at that or have it tested before you plug it into your, wow. your outlet. Wow. Boy, boy, oh boy, if you had a tendency to be paranoid, this would put you over the top. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want people to be paranoid, but just to be aware. Just like you, Francie, you do so much work in the private investigative industry. I'm so happy with you because it's not just for your business, but you've done a lot, a lot of work for the benefit of private investigators, so I thank you. But moving on from that, uh, yeah, you just have to be aware of these threats so you're just not compromised. I always tell executives, if somebody gives you a gift, you need to look at that gift, whether it be something you plug into the wall or if it's a notebook something could be placed into that again not to be paranoid just to be aware uh, <laughs> vehicles, the vehicles uh, it was a case where uh, somebody came down and, and their car was damaged and the executive's car was damaged person was saying I'm sorry I backed into your car I, I, I'm doing the damage you know my husband has this body shop that does excellent work be happy to fix it for you and detail the car guy said sure fine drop the car off over there well guess what in that body shop they placed a bug in that car and today with tracking devices and bugging devices, it's so easy to place a tracking or bugging device in a car. So we do vehicles. We check vehicles uh, to ensure or to best we can that there isn't something clandestine or surreptitious in a vehicle that could glean, compromise the conversations or, or anything else in that vehicle. So vehicles, as well as aircraft, sometimes um, either your own aircraft or if you lease aircraft, you don't know what's in that plane uh, when you get in there. So if you're going to have sensitive conversations or information, just be aware of the fact it could be an area because you mm. do not control it. When you take your car into a body shop you lose, or, or into the service shop, you lose sight of it. You don't control it. So you 
have to be aware of these things and look around again, not paranoid, but look around to see if there's any changes. Has screws been removed? Does the dashboard look different? Does, is, did something change that, that you haven't noticed before that you hadn't noticed when you brought it in or that so has something changed? The environment changed. Sometimes we'll go into an office again. And we'll look on the floor and we'll see some dust like from, from uh, the sheetrock or something. Well, why is that dust on the floor? Possibly somebody did something to that wall or above that wall that created that dust on the floor. And that'll cause us to look much deeper into that specific area because what would dust be doing in one area of the floor of a, of a room or something? Just being yeah. aware today... Because information is probably about the, one of the most valuable things we have today. If it's matrimonial and one person is working with their attorney, or if it's corporate where they're buying a company, selling a company, merging, acquisitioning, as you mentioned, Coley, or something like that, um, uh, 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 you, there, there's potential loss of, of information that translates to dollars and cents. Boy, that's amazing. So uh, I'm sure there's all kinds of places you could hide a bug in a car, but would those bugs have to be live so that you could identify them with your equipment? Uh, they don't have to be live. We can find them visually. We could find them electronically through the devices we have. <clears throat> I must say, uh, when we go into a corporate environment or a residence, but primarily going to, you know, a lot of what we'll look at is what the vulnerability of threat is um, uh, to how much equipment we'll bring in. But we have the capabilities of bringing in $100,000, $150,000 worth of equipment that we have that we've accumulated that we own, $150,000 worth of equipment. Mm-hmm. If we're doing a residence, it might be $100,000 worth of equipment. So, um, the, so these devices are designed to pick up something that could be dormant, either the batteries ran out or it's turned off. Um, and yes, in a car, it could be operational just when you turn the key on because it's getting power from that, or it could be working on a battery, or it could be voice activated. You know, tape recorders today can be voice activated, so they're kind of dormant, doing nothing until you start to talk, and then all of a sudden they'll turn on and, 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 and capture that information. Same and you would with, have to uh, pick that up video. visually, not you couldn't, equipment wouldn't pick it up. No, we have equipment that, that, will, that can pick up electronic devices. As I said, there's a piece oh, of okay. equipment yeah, that, you, that sends a signal out and will pick up, a, uh, pick up, pick up uh, information just like a metal detector that you, they, they, yeah. Even a tape recorder that's voice activated? Yeah, tape. Yes, because oh. the tape recorder ha- a tape recorder has electronics in it. So if it has okay. any electronics in it, the devices we have will pick up those electronics, even if it's turned off, even if the battery is out of it. If you took your cellular phone, took the battery out of it, and hit it someplace under a cushion or hit it someplace in a wall, we have equipment that scans that wall and, and, and floats it with, with energy, RF energy specifically for that device, for electronics. And if there is electronics in that device, as I say, a, a resistor, a capacitor, anything, uh, a, a diode, a, a, anything that's in there that's electronic, it will vibrate that to a certain degree, send the signal back to us to advise us that something electronic is in the wall. We could get a false reading if there were two nails that are touching together that kind of oxidized and got some rust on it, we might get a false reading and we have ways of checking that. We're not going to tear a wall down. So we have ways of checking, but that's how sensitive the equipment is in terms mm. of picking up electronics that could be hidden uh, in a wall and, and plastered over and you'd never know it's there. Yeah, we can find it. Just amazing. This sounds just like Mission Impossible. Watching Mission Impossible. 
<laughs> yeah, the technology is like everything else. The technology is years, years, years ago. It was one thing uh, that you were very easily be able to, you know, find a device. But today, with the advent of the modern technologies, it's become much more difficult and requires the expertise of somebody who knows what they're doing. I use yeah. an example, even with this equipment, which is highly technical and sophisticated. If somebody bought a, 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 a Corvette or a Ferrari and didn't know how to shift probably somebody with an automatic Volkswagen would beat them at a race if they didn't know how to shift. Same thing with our equipment. If you don't know how to operate it and make it kind of hum, you might not get the maximum potential out of that equipment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, today, yeah, today the, what we call the magic wand, that one device that you kind of scanned a room, uh, was good for older technology uh, to pick up something that's transmitting RF energy and it worked okay. Um, we use one of those devices today with our work because it has a purpose. But for devices today uh, that you can buy over the Internet for, for, for 50 bucks, uh, those right. devices would not find it. Okay. Those All right. devices would not find it. All right. Art, we're at the end of the hour. This has uh, been a fascinating show. Thank you so much. Your information is so interesting. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, if you're you, interested, on, I appreciate on, the opportunity. Thank you. A- absolutely. And if you're interested on uh, for advertising on PISD Classified, you can contact my wonderful producer of this show, Sandra Rogers at sandra.rogers, R-O-G-E-R-S, at voiceamerica.com. It's S-A-N-D-R-A dot R-O-G-E-R-S. And um, if you uh, want to... Uh, if you have it, I'm stumbling on myself. If you have information that you think would be valuable for this show, please let me know at Francie at PS Declassified. So tune in again next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. It's PIS Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much, Art. Thank you, Francie. I appreciate the opportunity. And I, I welcome questions from professional PIs. Anything that they have a question about, I welcome their call. Okay. And if I get anything, I'll forward it on to you. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to P.I.'s Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. 
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 